This is episode 45 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 45 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Dave Liberti on the show. And Dave is a very interesting guy. I've known him for a really long time, but didn't know he was into real estate. We finally connected and started talking shop. And we went over everything today from Airbnbs to his student rentals to doing Burr projects in Hamilton. Dave's got his hand to a lot of different things, but he's got a very interesting story. He went to school. He became an accountant. He eventually traded that job in to become a full-time realtor and real estate investor. Dave presently has 12 properties and a number of joint ventures. The specific project that he talked about today in depth was an Airbnb that he's opened up near Niagara on the Lake Ontario, which is one of my favorite places to visit. And he mentioned that he did as much as $6,000 a month in cash flow in the peak months of his first summer with that property. So it was really interesting to get that perspective of somebody that is doing a true vacation rental on Airbnb and to talk shop about his numbers. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into the episode. The next Greater Hamilton REI meetup is happening on January 16th. So please mark that down in your calendar. And also, please make sure that you reach out to me at the Andrew Hines and ask me for the link to the group. Or you can visit the show notes of this episode and there will be a link to the private Facebook group so that you can make sure that you're on the list for the event. These events are fantastic. There's a huge number of investors that come out to them and share stories, share best practices and share their contractors it's well worth the thursday night and hey it's free another business i wanted to take a moment and thank you very much for listening to this podcast this year i just started it in february and the feedback that i've received has been overwhelming i've really appreciated everyone who's reached out to me and thanked me everyone who's left reviews on itunes and youtube uh, to let me know how you're feeling about it and what you want to hear if there are guests that you want to recommend to me by all means feel free and i wanted to wish you all a very happy holidays merry christmas if you celebrate it happy hanukkah There's many others that I'm not familiar with that people are celebrating right now. Whatever you're celebrating, I want to wish you a happy one and a happy new year. And we will continue to post these episodes and have another uh, fantastic year talking real estate investing. So without further ado, here is episode 45 with Dave Liberti. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Dave Liberti on the show and Dave is uh, a connection of a good friend of mine and I knew he was in this space and finally got him on the show. Dave, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah, we've known each other for a long time and I uh, actually through that same connection found out that you were also involved in real estate. So it's pretty cool when, when that kind of happens and and when I originally met you, you were you were in your playing in your band with Rob, and uh, it was good to go to London, check you guys out, see you guys play. You guys uh, yeah. had a good following, so yeah, way back in the day when we were playing playing at the Barking Frog in London and and Winks and all that stuff. So yeah, we've known each other a long time. I didn't actually know you were involved in real estate investing, and then Rob mentioned we should talk to each other, yeah. and uh, so finally managed to put this together. Um, but from what I understand, so one, you're in real estate as a realtor now, but that, that's not your background, correct? Correct. Yeah, I started out in accounting. That's uh, I did an undergrad and a co-op uh, program through Brock and uh, worked in accounting for several years, got out of it, went back into it, and then full-time into real estate. So it's kind of been a little bit of a back and forth, but real estate was always on my mind. So so you always wanted to be an investor. How long have you been a uh, real estate investor? 
since 24, I bought a, a new build coming out of university or just about a year out of university and then started there. It was a student rental in, in Thorold near uh, Brock University and then uh, bought a few more student rentals and then from there ventured into different types of uh, investing, whether it was uh, single family, duplex, mixed use, some commercial, uh, Airbnb, so a little bit of everything. Okay, so you've been doing a little, a little bit of uh, multiple different types of real estate. Do you still have the uh, the student rental? I still have two. So I've sold. I originally had four, sold off two, and I still have two. One I have a pending uh, offer on right now. I, I may sell that one, and then the other one I may also list it within the next year and, and kind of get out of that space. Not because uh, there's been any problems with it, but just just in terms of taking the equity out and, and, uh, putting it somewhere else. Oh, okay. So you've had a big, a big equity boost over the, the course. Of- yeah. Especially in that area, St. Catherine's Thorold, um, back when I started buying in 2010, 11, you could get a six bedroom student house for under 300,000. And now those are, are going for five plus. Wow. And what do you, so you have six bedroom houses? Yeah. Both of them are six. Both? Bedroom. And yeah. what are you getting per bedroom on those? So, Again, the, the I guess the market rate is about five hundred a room, but because uh, my mortgage is so low, I rent them out for for less, uh, like in the four fifty range, and just get them rented out quickly so that I'm not kind of going back and forth showing the uh, the house a lot. I always get it rented out the first first time I go up and find a good group, and and that's it. Okay, so six bedrooms, four fifty a room. Run some uh, some quick numbers here, just to get an idea of, of your gross rent. So you'd be at uh, twenty seven hundred a month on on a six bedroom house. What would your expenses look like on that twenty seven hundred? So you're getting twenty seven hundred in. What are your yeah, like? again, uh, I've I've sped up the amortization on the mortgage. So I've I, it was originally uh, a thirty year. I bumped it down to twenty five. So now I only have sixteen years left on them. Um, so I mean, if I if I were to adjust that, it could be cash flowing a little bit better. But for me, it was just they were cash flowing well enough as it was. So. I figured just pay down the mortgage a little bit quicker, build up that equity faster. And then whenever I wanted to use that equity, whether it was, you know, pulling it back out or, or selling it, it would, it would be there. And, um, so my total expenses are probably my mortgage is, I'm just trying to think here. So it's bi-weekly, you could call it a 1550. So you got, so 1550 on the mortgage, you're going to have some taxes there. Taxes are around three. 300 a month yeah 325 yeah all right so say 325 a month on the taxes um insurance insurance because the student rental is a little bit higher so you pay a bit of a premium i'm paying right now about 170 a month 170 a month and uh i'll make a little note there i want to come back to that because insurance is uh is is a very important topic when it comes to uh student rentals so you've got uh, mortgage taxes insurance are you paying utilities i'm paying utilities those okay. come in around uh on average 250 a month so 250 a month on yeah. those and uh that's you're doing well how are you doing so well on utilities <laughs> no well i i have them uh, controlled so i either have one of them at one house as a nest thermostat that i control and the other one yeah. has a, a lockbox on it so okay so you have you pay for internet to connect i don't, your I don't nest? pay internet no so okay so you connect saying, your nest thermostat to their yeah, internet yeah exactly <laughs> to regulate yeah. their heat for yeah. them <laughs> i love that yeah I, I thought about that i'm like oh i can't do that i don't i don't pay for their internet yeah well <laughs> you know i, I talked to them about it and make sure and you 
you know, yeah. usually if you treat them well, they'll treat you with respect as well. So it's kind of one of those very true. Things that, yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I could just go there and set it, uh, you know, and, and there's a lockbox on it anyways, but, um, you know, it just kind of helps that they're willing to do that. We're going to come back into that as well. Cause I've been having some, uh, some challenges at one of mine lately too. And, you know, I always want to be that, that reasonable, nice guy. And I, you know, I don't want to be hard on people, but at the same time, there's a, there's a respect thing and, uh, maybe just a gentle reminder. I don't like being always like, guys, this is the rule. This is what the lease says. Like, I don't want to do that. I'd be like, guys, you know, can you please, can you please keep the heaters unplugged? They're very expensive on electricity. You know, that's that's one of the things. And every group's different, yeah. uh, you know, and even groups that maintain the house really well might might pump the heat in the winter yeah. and, and walk around in shorts and a T-shirt. Right. Yeah. Um, I've seen that where I or I go down to the house and, and the heat set at, you know, 26 and they're just kind of walking around in little short shorts and whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of that's when I put a stop to that and just say, you know, I'm just going to put lock boxes, just keep it simple. If they show up to see the unit and it's already like that, yeah. then, you know, from the get go, they're, they're under the understanding that they're not going to, they're be not controlling control. it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll come back to that combo. Um, so mortgage taxes, insurance, utilities, do you pay a property manager? No, I, I rental agent. all my properties. So you're doing, doing it yeah. all yourself. Yeah. You're listing it for rent. Um, okay. So any expenses associated with renting? No, no. Okay. Just Kijiji. I use Kijiji. Just, just throw it up on Kijiji yeah. and that's enough. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got uh, probably some maintenance and landscaping, I'm guessing. Landscaping. I have a guy who cuts the grass. Um, I pay him 30 bucks a cut and he does it about twice, twice, twice a, month? a month. Yeah. Yeah. For seven months of the year or yeah, in like seven, your fall yeah. cleanups and stuff. Exactly. He does all that too. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you figure you're like seven, 800 bucks a year to him or not uh, even, not even probably. Not, yeah. Not even maybe 500. So yeah. 500 a year. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. And we're just diving into the yeah. numbers here, but it came up. So I thought well, let's one do of it. the other main expense I find is just appliances given and out all the time. So, you know, that, that would probably be the, the biggest expense and to get, you know, someone out there, it's, it's not cheap. Yeah. So that's why I like with maintenance, I used to, I used to say 5% was, was a realistic figure and some years it is, but I think overall, if you're, if you're factoring in life cycle maintenance on shingles and appliances and all that stuff, your flooring eventually is going to need to be replaced. Those are big numbers, right? And in that year it's going to hurt. So I'd rather just say my maintenance is, you know, maybe I'll say it's 10%. That's conservative. Um, the newer the house, the less, but I mean, sometimes it's just like, you can't even predict the stuff that'll come up, right? right? Right. So would you say if we allocated uh 2700 bucks a month uh times uh 10% would 270 bucks a month it'd in be, maintenance? It'd be high, but Yeah, but, so you're not you know, quite 270, but yeah, it's, if yeah. you wanted to say hey, super conservative, maybe we'll say 250 a month for maintenance, things like that. Yeah, again, it's a, it's a, probably a, high. A fridge, but, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. a fridge is a thousand bucks, right? I haven't had to buy new appliances. It's just I'm like just, getting yeah. fixed. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and that's, I've owned them for eight years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the one was a new build. So, I mean, I haven't had any yeah. roof for, you know, furnace or right, you know, AC right. type of uh, major costs there. The thing with that, and I guess it's it's a judgment call, is how to treat it. Do you want to start factoring a number for that roof that's coming in five years yeah. now, or do you want to wait until the reality sinks in and then just sell it right before that? Well, that's <laughs> why, that's why I'm kind of looking to sell, even though like they're not in bad shape now. But yeah. you know, just looking to sell it before I have to start thinking about incurring some of those major the bigger major costs, yeah the yeah. bigger ones. The roof would probably be the the biggest. Then furnace, uh, AC are the other two that are kind of 
they have a life cycle that's a little shorter. But I mean, like things like Windows, if you're built in the last eight years, you should never need to really replace those. It depends on the builder, I guess. But yeah, yeah, unless it was done. For <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I just it down to 200 bucks. We'll just say 200 bucks a month for maintenance. Uh, and that's probably still conservative for you. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll say 2,700 is our number minus some of all of these numbers. What is your cash flow on that? So you're still about 163 bucks, even factoring for maintenance. Obviously, you're seeing more come in and then some months you don't pay for anything. The months right. that you don't have landscaping, that's in your pocket too. But uh, I just, I averaged landscaping over the year. So 163 bucks, but you've done something very different from a lot of guys. You are paying your mortgage down faster. I don't know any investor paying down their mortgage faster. You know what? I, I, there, I don't do that on every property, but uh, for those two, because they were cash flowing really well, I just decided to do it. And because I wasn't planning on keeping them long long term it was kind of a eight to ten year plan i'm kind of getting into that range now and the mortgage on those is around two hundred thousand now on, on both of them so so mortgage is around 200 grand yes you're 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 very you're in a pretty good position your original down payment on on the property five percent so you're, you're five percent back in the 5% day down, yeah, so your so. return on investment if we were to calculate it uh what did you buy them for uh, so the first one, the new build, I paid three hundred three for that, and that one's approximate cash flow. We just calculated. Correct? They're they're both the same. They're both they're about identical. the same. Okay, yeah. so so we'll just do one of them. So you paid three hundred three. Uh, you had five percent down on that, so it's three hundred three times point oh five is uh, fifteen thousand invested. Yeah, and then I paid a few thousand just to furnish it, put in some appliances, so another three to four thousand originally, okay. and those are still I still have the same couches, same tables, everything. Okay, but, so you yeah. furnish them. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah, uh, just the just the common areas. Okay, yeah, same. I do the same thing. So furnishings. So we'll say you're approximately twenty thousand total invest. And on that twenty thousand you're getting your cash flow at uh, one sixty three times twelve. So you're getting about two thousand a year in cash flow. You're getting a uh, mortgage pay down of like five percent a year. Yeah, off your it's, original it's, it's mortgage. Quite a bit. Now now it's up to like twelve, just over twelve thousand a year that I'm paying down on. Okay, so mortgage yeah, we'll just say twelve thousand a year paying down uh, on your mortgage, and then you're getting appreciation over the course of time you you probably get yourself around five percent a year. Easily, yeah. 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 So three hundred three, you bought it times 0.05. You're getting fifteen thousand a year there. This is I love to just every once in a while calculate these like really funny return numbers. Yeah, there when you can put five percent down and you, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. major appreciation. That'll yeah. that'll help. Typically, five percent down isn't an option for an investor unless you're borrowing, leveraging against other real estate, which is still you know that's still effectively a way of getting a return on investment that's astronomical. But your return per year is twenty nine grand on something that you only had twenty grand into. So your return on investment, let's just see, over twenty thousand, uh, hundred and forty-five point five five percent. That's okay. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, it, it's been good. Those ones I bought at the right time. Um, I yeah. bought specifically because I had looked into kind of. Ham- I'm from Hamilton originally. I'd looked yeah. at McMaster for student rentals, yeah. and the prices around McMaster and Westdale were just way too high when comparing the that the rents were about equivalent what you could rent a student bedroom for in hamilton near mcmaster was the same that you could charge near brock so when you could get a house for one hundred fifty thousand less at the time it just made more sense to go that route why do you think that people have shied away or i wouldn't say they've shied away but they, they would typically go for mac first why why do you think that that's that's the case do you see like a consistent demand at at brock Oh, for sure. I've never had a vacancy in any of 
of the rooms over those eight to nine years. It'll be nine years. And you are priced on the lower end, right? So it makes it a little easier to, uh, yeah, but again, I was priced originally when I first bought, I was priced like I, I've just kept them the same. So I was originally priced at 450 and I've just maintained that. So other investors have bought at higher price points. So now they're charging, they you know, start charging 475, five. Um, but even when I was first renting them out at 450, which was high end, uh, that was people, high end back then. It, it was high end because one was a new build and the other one was really nice as well. Had it was a family home originally that I converted into six bedrooms. So I'd only had three, I added three more and then, uh, yeah. So that, that was hardwood floors in that one and, and updated and everything. And, and, they then, take and that care one's of only 20 years old as well. So it's not, okay. Uh, yeah. And they've taken care of all these properties you haven't had? Always, well, yeah, because you can kind of select who you feel would be a good fit because, you know, if I have if I go down there, I'll have six groups in, in the first group of showings and, and I'll pick one of those groups, whichever group. And usually I'll have out, out of the six, maybe three to four wanting it right away. And then I can pick from those three to four groups, which, which one I think would be a good fit. Because they probably see your rentals compared to what else is out there and, and think, wow, this is this is a great great deal right uh, you know a well-kept property that's not that old and uh they can you know they can get in there and, and pay a, a discounted rent compared to the competition yeah. so you get to take your pick which i really like the idea of that yeah and no also rent. i made sure when i was buying them that uh both of the properties have very large windows in the lower level if you want to call it one's a back split the new builds a back split and the other one is a raised uh, bungalow raised ranch bungalow so um the bedroom windows are, are halfway above the ground um so oh okay. yeah so yeah. it doesn't feel like a basement so i've always you know a lot of the times when i was a student you'd have people arguing oh who's going to be in the basement or who's going to get the small room again all of them are, are good size rooms and they all uh have good windows so lots of light and you know you don't have people arguing about you know which room so yeah i haven't i haven't found a way to to stop people from arguing about the basement completely, but I think that would definitely help, yeah. right? I'll try, I'll try and do that. If I do put a basement bedroom in, I'll, I'll make, I'll give them a 40 by 40 window and dig out a nice big egress, um, surround on the outside of the house. Just I'll cut down the foundation right. just to make it better. Right. And which a lot of people don't do number one and number two, um, with the new student uh, licensing in Thorold, you have to have that, right? Because if you don't have proper egress windows, the city won't allow you to use those bedrooms uh, to rent them out. So they'll, a lot of that's a problem a lot of these houses are having that used to be used as six, seven bedroom student houses. Now, you know, they go to apply for a license and they can only get it, you know, three, four bedroom. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So they're not allowing grandfathering and thorough. Like no. if you're, if you've no. got something that's not compliant no. for fire code, it's like exactly. straight up you're out or building exactly. code, yeah. what, whatever their, their exactly. requirement is. Yeah. Which is probably the way it should be. Right. But it is, it's funny though, when you just, cause you'll have investors that'll have come in relying totally on that income and now they're getting slapped. And right. And, but again, that's, that's, I guess a little bit of foresight and, and planning and, and, you know, kind of making decisions initially to pay maybe a little bit extra to get a property that, you know, you're not going to run into those issues down the road if, if licensing became a, a factor. So that's kind of the way I planned it, yeah. uh, is that, you know, I'd not to say that I envisioned licensing coming, but number one, I wanted it to be safe. So that parents felt because a lot of the yeah. times I have the parents co-signing right for all the leases. So you get them as guarantors. Exactly. So, okay. um, 
so yeah, so I mean, they'll, they'll come down, they'll see the house, they see that, you know, everything looks uh, nice and organized and, and safe and, uh, you know, sm- uh, smoke detectors in, in all the bedrooms, so... Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that just makes sense. So that's more of, more of the apply common sense a rule in investing. Like, you know, parents want their kids in a safe place, so you don't want to set them up to not be um, not be happy. I know with anything I was doing, I was always setting it up, thinking, you know, if it was my mom, she'd be like, the first thing she'd be doing is looking for an egress window, making sure that I can get out if there's ever a fire. And uh, so the requirement is only one means of egress in the basement, aside from the main staircase out. But I would make sure that every bedroom has that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, t- I tell the students that they don't really necessarily think it's such a big deal. But uh, I know that their parents will. And I know that they take, you know, they'll walk in and take a video for their parents, you know, when they come see the house. So you, you obviously want to make sure that you're, you're keeping them both happy. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, foresight is huge. This is why I'm not a fan of, of buying stuff that's illegal. Because you just never know what day will come, you know, when the city or municipality will start enforcing it, right? You might be okay for the short run, but then down the road, you're not. Uh, but you did bring up the licensing issue. And I've heard that there was some panic when Thorold did this. They were a little bit um, more aggressive with the implementation of it than some. And and their pricing is also more than uh, than other municipalities as well as I've heard. Could yeah, you talk about it's, it? it's 250 a year is, is, okay. is the cost for it. And um, the initial application was was pretty intense in terms of the amount of paperwork that you had to fill out. I think it was close to like 35 pages by the time you factor in everything, like drawings and floor plans and all of that. So uh, it took me quite a while to put them together for both properties, probably at least 10 hours a property 10 to, hours yeah, of property yeah yeah and and a lot of people have oh other people doing this for them right but again because i manage them myself uh it's one of those things where you know yeah. you gotta so you have to do a sketch of the floor plan yep of, yeah. of each of each level uh window sizes you had to give like each bedroom what the window sizes were in the sketch and then they come and do an actual inspection as well just to verify yeah. that that's the case but uh yeah definitely um it was, uh, it took a long time and, uh, and, the, but you know what, they're still behind on, on doing the inspections. I haven't even, when I, the guy came out to my house cause I had, uh, applied for it right away, which would have been April of last year. And I had to call the city to say, I still haven't heard anything about the, uh, getting my license. And they said, oh, okay, we're, we're still booking. We're just now booking, uh, inspections for 2019 and when the guy came out i think he said they had been through only 30 percent of the applications and that they projected that only of the student uh, rentals in thorold that only you know 40 percent of the people actually had submitted applications right so, so then the next wave will be going out <laughs> and finding the ones that didn't and and making them submit as well exactly i bet they're just so backed up i think they have two two or three people doing it all so it's uh yeah, taking them a while but and do you think that this i, I know this is kind of maybe outside of the scope because you're really only invested in student rentals there but do you think that this is something that's going to happen just every city across canada eventually will have this rental licensing or where do you see this going I know Hamilton uh, is talking about it near both McMaster and Mohawk plans and some sort of pilot projects uh, that have kind of gone back and forth between the council and people, you know, putting up a stink about it. But uh, I think it's going to end up happening probably in Hamilton in the, in the next year or two. And then uh, again, across the board, it's especially with 
insurance companies and, and lenders um, finding it riskier? Like, I don't know on the lending side what you're seeing, but I know RBC, who used to lend on student rentals two years ago, is no longer doing it. I was originally with TD. They don't do it. A lot of the major banks aren't, aren't lending on student rentals. So, Well, the, the official policy, generally speaking, is no, just across the board. And, and I remember when I wanted to get into it, hearing that and hearing that no one would do it. And I was working in mortgages and I was just, anytime somebody came to me with a student rental, I'm like, oh boy, like this is going to be fun. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just like, well, there are clearly thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of student rentals in Canada and somebody's financing them, you know, they're getting done. So I, um, I just resolved to find out how they were doing it. So I would just start investigating other other landlords. Um, it's funny you say that. So RBC, yeah, their outward policy might be no, but I, and I was told no, and then I found another guy at RBC got mine done for me. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, CIBC has been really good for getting them done. But as you've likely seen, there's been a cap to, to rentals in general to be held personally. Most banks have some sort of a limit that they're putting on. And as I was getting further along in this, I was realizing that I was getting more no's and it was getting a little harder. And, um, you know, I know that there, there's eventually a day coming where, where I'll have hit the traditional cap and I'll have to look at alternative lenders, um, you know, credit unions, this and that add to that complication is that student rentals, like you said, most, the general policy is no, we don't want to finance them. Uh, but they, you know, they may on an exception basis. So it's a, it's a tricky subject. I don't know that rental licensing is going to tie into that. Uh, it's it's tough to say if if that's ever going to become a factor. Um, I think that that the real thing is is that they're looking for functional houses. You know, the lenders and appraisers when they go out, they want to see a house that works for a student rental or works for a home. I, I think if the lenders know that there's student licensing and that there's been an inspection on the yeah. property and that's tied to it, you know, not to say that they're more likely to get into it. But, oh, if they you know, know that, yeah. 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 So Cats I mean, out of the bag then. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it's what the appraiser says, right? I know like appraisers used to look at if there were locks on the doors and then they'd be out, right? If they saw locks on the individual doors, the appraiser makes a note, the bank reviews that note and they're like, well, there are locks on the bedroom doors. So this is clearly being treated as a rooming house. We don't do that. And that, that's the kind of... Uh, response you'd get back so yeah what's the right answer i'm I'm not completely sure but i i I think the days of trying to slip them through yeah you can get one or two done that way trying to sneak it through but if you don't have somebody good that that can handle student rentals it's going to become challenging exactly and i I think them being designated as student housing versus rooming housing which are are very different um I think that makes a difference probably on on the lending side going forward and again i think having a student license attached to a property um, as opposed to, you know, being seen as a rooming house uh, yeah. may make a difference down the road. But again, I'm not on the lending side. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. They don't they don't necessarily respond to the logic there, even though it's like not zoned as a rooming house. A rooming house is definitely a different thing. Sometimes they just start, you know, underwriters just say, oh, well, we see locks. <laughs> We're not doing it. Um, it's happened, unfortunately. But like I said, I do think there are op- opportunities out there. I see things going more towards for me. Uh, to continue building the student rental portfolio, either credit unions or going with commercial lending, because on commercial lending, the banks are fine with it. Okay. So you can flip something into commercial lending and then you can basically start acquiring as many as you want. And there might be restrictions to loan to value. They might say 70 or 75 percent on a, on an exception. But then there's no max. You can have as many as you want as long as they they cash flow enough to service 
the uh, the debt obligation. So they just it, it's treated differently. And I think if you're serious about this business and you want to grow, I think that that's ultimately what a lot of investors are faced with. Eventually, they just got to shift over. So Dave, I want to shift gears a little bit here. A couple of the uh, the other items, insurance. You mentioned it's it's more expensive. It's really important that you have proper full disclosure uh, student rental insurance. And I don't know how much you've you've heard about this or know about this, but basically, if you didn't tell the, the insurance provider that it was students in there, they could actually deny your claim if the house ever burnt down because of something students were doing. So do you have a really bulletproof pr- policy that you're using? That's I do, a- I do. And I've, I've gone through uh, different insurance companies over the years. Uh, I was paying absurd amounts uh, at one point, like it was closer to like 2300 a year for the policy. Uh, 23, 2400, but uh, I was able to find a new insurance company that will um, lend at 1800 per property. So, it's, and how many square feet above grade for context? Uh, they're both around this about 1300, 1300 square feet above grade. Um, you should send me a note. I think I might have somebody that can that can do better for you. Uh, I have all my stuff with one guy that uh, they, you know, they have some sort of special agreement with their their provider that they'll they'll cover the student rentals nice so for the utilities like i said you're getting a, a good number so you said your approach is just be reasonable with them do you tell them what they can and can't do and how do you stop them from plugging in a heater you know what? i've never even uh come across that issue where i've seen someone with a heater in the house and, and i don't know if that's just by leaving it at a certain reasonable number it just kind of heats the house in their newer houses so maybe it's more more efficient but uh never had heaters even when i was a student a lot of people used to have individual fridges in each room. I haven't yeah. had haven't had that issue. I have two fridges actually um, at each house, so two full size fridges in each kitchen, and yeah. and that kind of covers all six students, so they don't have the need to each be plugging in individual fridges in their rooms. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, uh, other than just the standard, uh, you know, similar to your house, right? What you would normally pay at your house is what you kind of uh, have paid. You're getting some good tenants, man. I mean, I think I have good tenants too, but I have a six bed and two fridges just like you and, you know, newly renovated, good furnace in there. And uh, I had, I walked into the one student's room and he had his vent closed and covered by a couch and had a space heater next to his bed. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Makes and sense. I was like, was any thought given whatsoever? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, pretty much every single room had a, had a mini fridge plugged in when I have two giant fridges in the in the kitchen that aren't even full, <laughs> and uh, I think I, I don't think it's that they're like trying to be you know bad or anything no, like they, that. They just don't. Know. They're just not thinking, yeah, right? You know, they don't better. understand what yeah. it costs. Their parents are paying for their rent, so it just to them it doesn't. Yeah, you know, it doesn't never register. paid for utilities before, right? So they don't. Life, yeah, they so don't get it. So yeah. yeah, how how would you handle that? Because I've I've had a really easy time with it in the past. I've really never had the problem because I provided it. Um, and within reason, I just let it slide. But it, for that house, it's gotten a little bit beyond. And I don't want to just keep coming down on them for, for stuff. Right. And and I guess you've tried to have a talk with them and, and they haven't. I mean, well, we I just always... went through a bunch of stuff about garbage, like they were not handling garbage well. And I've kind of been coming down on them. So I want to like take a little step back and like I don't want to like constantly be, you know, kind of. Well, and, and I don't know if it's uh, something as simple as in the lease. And, and again, I got this from when I was a, a student. My The one landlord had in the lease that she would cover utilities up to a certain yeah. price. And I used then, to do that, actually. Okay. I then, need to go back to that. Yeah. Well, it's it's always implied as reasonable use, right? But I don't, like, again, I don't like quoting the rules back to people. I, I, I prefer to just say, look, guys, this is costing a lot, you know. 
I guess that's that's probably the right approach. I need to just get to it. I've just it's been on my list of many things to do. But you know, look, guys, I know you probably weren't aware of this, but you know, mini fridges obviously use a lot of electricity, and you know, it is part of the lease that that they aren't going to be used. If you absolutely need one, let me know, and we can work something out. I'm you know, I, I want to make sure you guys have what you need for sure. Yeah, just just being upfront right in the beginning, everyone understands what what the expectations are, yeah. and then. Oh, it's in the lease, right? But I, I think the kids, like, they, <laughs> no, they fly through they the lease. Yeah, they no. fly through <laughs> the lease, right? Like, you can put a lot of stuff in the lease and they're not even going to read it. It's hilarious. Um, you know, I'm a very fair and reasonable guy. But, I mean, if you were a sneaky landlord, you could put some stuff in there. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, sure. and, again, at the time, the whole reason I, I even think back to that one landlord was uh, not knowing what reasonable utility rates were. And she had a certain amount in there. We were over every month. Not because we were abusing it, but because the amount that she had in there was so ridiculously low. And she did that on purpose because... So you guys paid the difference? We paid the difference, right? So I don't... Like, this was, you know, back 12 years ago. But again, if it was $100 a month, right? I mean, we were probably at two two fifty a month. And, yeah, I can't and, imagine yeah, how 100 a month but, makes but, sense. But, you know, signing it, not knowing what utilities are going to cost. And when she says this is a fair fair number, you you assume that that's the case. But you kind of learn from that. So Yeah, absolutely. I would say, like, so on my newer stuff, I probably see an average of, on the five beds, like 250 a month across the year. And then in the six bed, I'm closer to 300 a month across the year. It's a bit bigger a house. And, um, obviously you have extra people showering and, and using power and this and that. So I guess at the end of the day, like I can't complain because the summers are like gravy summers, there's like a hundred dollars a month in utilities. And then the winters, obviously it picks back up, but, um, you know, no matter what still, you know, I'm fortunate to even have these, these rentals. It's a good problem. Yeah. Definitely. How many student rentals are you at now? I have four houses. One of them's a duplex. Three of them are ones that I renovated. One of them was one that I, I bought from a guy who was downtown and, uh, you know, I, I much prefer to renovate it myself because then I know what was done and 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 how well it was done. But uh, you know what? They've all been fantastic for appreciation. You know, they've all cash flowed. They've all been great for appreciation. And uh, you know, by using some creative financing and and you know this and that and renovating, I was able to acquire those all pretty quickly. If I had had to save, you know, we'd still be talking about it. I would never have done it to to get them. So. Uh, that's that's been my strategy i don't know what your strategy has been like i guess you had some creative down payments there a couple of times and yeah well and again partnering with some people who are in in a similar position so even before i knew what joint venturing was i was doing it uh just from talking to people about my one rental when i was getting that up and running my one student rental uh talking to a friend I went to university with. We ended up doing one together, ended up doing one with a family member. Um, and we were able to take advantage of that, put 5% down on, on yeah. all of them. And, uh, okay. Yeah, that, that definitely helps the 5% down. So yeah, walk me through where it started for you. Like, when did you know you wanted to be a real estate investor? When did you know that that was going to happen? Uh, so it, it was pretty funny. I was actually, it was by chance, I was uh, going down to Croatia. It was my last summer uh, heading uh, into university, like out of university. So it was my, I was going the fourth year, my last semester and, uh, went to my family with to Croatia with my family. And, uh, we were at the airport. I had gone out the night before, not even thinking, you know, this is going to be an eight hour flight. What am I going to do? Uh, so I went into the book store that they had there and, and I found, saw a book called the automatic millionaire, uh, homeowners edition. Um, so I picked it up, read through it. It made uh, made a lot of sense in terms of building building wealth through real estate. And uh, at that point, I knew 
that was what I was going to be doing once I graduated. Awesome. So, so accounting was your stream. So you still did that probably helped you qualify for the mortgages to, to get the properties that you got. Well, and again, this is a little bit funny, maybe due to the timing, but it was actually through stocks that I was able to really uh, build up some money to invest in real estate. So yeah. So um, it was right after when I graduated, it was at, at the end of 2008. So we just had that uh, recession. um, And while I was doing uh, accounting exams, I had met a guy who was investing in stocks. So we kind of talked back and forth. He was investing in stocks. I was going to be getting into real estate. So we kind of were picking each other's brains a bit. And um, it was a good time to be investing in stocks because obviously everything had fallen. Everything so was so it was, far you down. Know, a little bit of timing, luck, luck yeah. and timing. But uh, yeah, so I started, you know, that was in 2009, started investing in stocks. I took the money that I had saved from working and, and put it all in stocks. Yeah. And People thought I was crazy because the markets were down and, and all of that. But uh, yeah, it was uh, that's how I was able to build that that yeah. nest egg to kind of then put deposits down on on real estate properties. How much did you put into stocks at the time? I had thirty five thousand. So you put thirty five thousand in when it was low, and you must have tripled, quadrupled well, that. Yeah, I I was investing a lot of junior mining stocks, so. Um, again it, there was a lot of research involved i was yeah. i was almost doing it uh full time at one point i actually took a full year off and was just investing in stocks oh wow uh, so it's a little Did bit different yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah so it was uh I, I i knew i didn't want to be in accounting um from going through uh the co-op which was uh tax seasons working hard long hours oh, yeah. and and it was uh pretty brutal so uh i knew that wasn't going to be where where my future uh was and and i have uh, decided at that point you know once i started i was working still and investing in stocks and it was going really well i was making more money uh investing in stocks than i was working uh you know wow. yeah 60 hours a week 70 hours a week even so. after the market rebounded so i i wasn't in accounting for that long um okay so i graduated in at the end of 2008 um work in accounting until mid 2010 and started investing in mid 2009. So, um, I was investing for about nine months, um, in stocks. And then that's when I went full time into it for another year or so. So you left your accounting firm, yeah. did your stock investing for another year yeah. and then you went back and got Well, a, And then that's job. where I learned about, you know, once I started buying rental properties, I started learning on the financing. Yeah. They want, they want a job <laughs> attached to you. So, uh, yeah, so that's where I actually, again, luck of the dry ran into someone that I used to work with at the accounting firm who was in business valuations and, and litigation accounting. Um, he just, had left that accounting firm to start his own firm. And, uh, he said, you know, why don't you try it out? It's a lot different than auditing and, and that side of accounting. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more critical thinking and, uh, and judgment using the judgment. So, um, I ended up, uh, working with him for, for about four or five years. And then, uh, yeah, that's kind of when, again, I transitioned into real estate. And full-time. now you're a real estate agent. So you you kind of lined that up while you were working there. And are you working with investors mainly? That's about half and half. Half and half. So investors, homeowners. Okay. 
And as far as your investment portfolio, you said you got the two student rentals now. You've got a couple of vacation rentals, if I'm not mistaken. I have the one so okay. far. So that that's new. That just started 2019. It was uh, we bought it uh, 2018. It was a big renovation, uh, pretty much a full gut, um, all new insulation, new windows, new siding, everything. Um, so that we just started renting, uh, January we're still of 2019. We were still kind of just finishing touches here and there. We put it up on Airbnb and, um, you know, it takes some time to build up, uh, get some reviews and that before people feel confident booking it as well. So, uh, we, Probably by about June is when we really started to see a pickup in in the number of bookings we were getting. So you get you're getting uh, more bookings now. Okay, so in that's in St. David's, right yes. uh, near Niagara on the Lake. Yeah, I love that area. Um, I wish I'd gotten into Niagara on the Lake like three four years ago before it doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of price point did you buy that one at? So again, because it needed a lot of work and we complete, there was a lot of structural work to do as well. So we opened up uh, the main floor, did a vaulted ceiling. There was a bedroom above it before. Uh, so there was a lot of structural, a lot of, uh, we had to get obviously permits and do all of that, but we bought at a really good price point, 367. 367. And you, how much were you on the rental? Like 150? In around there. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. So, so you're in for close to 500 grand. And what can you, I mean, summer's, summer's obviously your prime time. If things are going well, what do you figure you can pull in in a, in a month, in a summer month? So this summer, uh, which is our first summer, obviously we actually were pulling in, in, in gross rents, uh, about 8,500 in July and August. 500. Yeah. And then what do you figure it'll be for the other months? September of this year was about 47 and uh october was 35 and november was break even well break even meaning about uh 2100 2100 okay and eventually you'll have to charge hst or are you already at that point uh, we're we're pretty well pretty well getting there now, yeah that's the frustrating part so you'll have to adjust your rents a little bit but if you get the super host status that's going to that's going to allow well, we you have to... the super host status we also have the airbnb plus which has been oh you got super host already yeah yeah, cool. Yeah, All right. Nice work. That didn't take you very long. No, no. It, uh, it, it's, it's been really good. We're up over 50 something reviews now. And, and that's not even the number of stays because obviously not everyone that uh, stays leaves a review. But uh, yeah, it's been because in Niagara on the Lake, you're going to get a lot of like two night, three night bookings yeah. or even one night if it's during the week. But we typically like on weekends, uh, we do minimum two nights. Minimum and, two, uh, two nights. Okay. Yeah. Like, you'll get the odd week week here and there that someone will book it for a full week but uh majority of the time it's you know someone coming in for two or three nights how do you find and i I think your perspective is really valuable here because you're just dipping your toe in the market of airbnb how do you find it as an experience so far like well the whole reason i did it was because i i like the area i like going down there and spending time down there and uh when my wife and i would try to book a hotel room any any time between May and September, it was, you know, you're looking at $400 a night. Um, so the thinking there was, okay, like we like going down there. We, you know, maybe once, twice, three times a year if we can. Um, what if we bought a place where we could rent it out for $400 a night for a full house? And then obviously that's going to attract people that are looking at, you know, when they're comparing a hotel room for $400 or a full ha- a two bedroom house for 
four hundred dollars. So no, but on that note, did you not see a value in trying to do it as a multi-unit, like get a legal conversion and convert it into two units and have no this this specific property again? Um, I wanted location was key, so I'd been you know research. I'd seen probably two or three houses in the same area over two three years before buying it so i'd known for a few years that's what i wanted to do but it took me time to find the right property this one backs onto a ravine um has you know a great view and and it's easy to rent out um so yeah well, 400 a night sounds great. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good deal for, for everyone, right? For we we still cash flow very well off of 400 a night. And for other people who are, again, you know, comparing it to what else is out there. it's. I know it's still early, but if you figured your first full year as a super host, if you averaged it out, knowing that I think November would probably be your slowest month, would, would you say so? Uh, or are you seeing that? Because I guess we're in November. Right yeah, now. November's been again. Yeah, like uh, we've had every weekend booked, but we the difference is you're not getting people coming down during the week. So June, July, August, September, you still have people taking vacation, wanting to go down to Niagara, and uh, and they'll they'll be coming down. Like we'll have pretty much almost every night booked during the week as well as the weekend. We've had every weekend booked uh, since June. All the way into oh, all the way to end of November, first weekend, two weekends already in December booked. So, uh, yeah, so weekends definitely no issue. Where you're going to really cash flow on them is is the being able to get bookings during the week. So, yeah, booking bookings during the week are yeah obviously going to be the lifeblood. You're either getting them or you're and, not. And again, like with tourism and that Niagara Falls, Niagara on the Lake, usually people are doing that when the weather's a little bit warmer. So you have to anticipate that. The winter is going to be a little bit slower, but you know the the goal is at least if we can break even those months and cash flow really well the other months, then. Uh, oh yeah, well you're in a great spot for for so many reasons because for those who aren't familiar with the area, it's it's wine region. You know I've met Americans, many Americans that will will specifically call out Niagara on the Lake and while well, St. David's is is next door. Uh, as a place that they look forward to going to like they'll drive up here to go there right right in our our wine region so already huge appreciation down there i'd say at least 40 percent of our bookings are are americans Americans, right they want to come up you know because they don't really have anything comparable nearby so you know they'll come up from philadelphia um you know just to come see our our wine region yeah everywhere yeah we've had people from la people from uh china people from brazil mexico yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And, and and it's not so much the super host. I think that's opened the doors for that. It's the uh, Airbnb plus. So that's um, a different kind of designation on the website where you've been certified almost like a, a student license where they come out, they inspect the property. Okay. You have to meet certain criteria. Um, it has to be own. It's only purpose can be for Airbnb. It's, it can't be just, you know, you rent the house out from time to time when you're not going to be there to type of thing. So okay. it's a different standard. And, and a lot of the Americans I know, uh, even some people that I know here in Canada that have said they, they'll only book Airbnb plus properties. That's good to know. know. I actually did yeah, know that. Yeah. Cause they know what they're going to get. They know that the standards a little bit higher. Um, what do you figure, what do you figure your cash flow will be like when this stabilizes? So your Airbnb plus your super host, um, obviously it looks like july august you're making like six thousand dollars but then the other months you know it's, it's your worst case of break even or is it Over worse the than course that? of the year yeah do you think oh uh i mean even this year being our first year will be probably uh positive cash flow of i mean 
January and February, we were probably about uh, 500, 600 um, under break even. So, you know, losing a little bit of cash there. But then by March, April, and again, this was initial stages. We were just getting it set up and, yeah. and just starting to get I don't think you see it the same we way. We didn't have Airbnb Plus. So, yeah, I, I mean, if you were to look at uh, the second half of the year, maybe as a, a better indicator, like no, like September, October, November, December, um, our, our goal is to at least break even even okay. during the downtime so shoulder seasons are, are hopefully break even and then the summer is where you rake it in and even even um you know spring and early fall you're going to have some well some yeah again uh, september of this year we were, we were over two thousand dollars in cash. cash flow yeah yeah so what do you figure on the year you'll be like around two grand you think on average on, so i think this year on average per month we're will probably be at around 1600 if you're average it out okay, over the year. Is that factoring in that you're paying for a cleaner? Are you paying for a cleaner? We, we, that's factored into the Airbnb fee. So that's, uh, we, oh, so you just charge for it. So when you tell me you're 8,500, you're netting off your cleaning fee. Yes. Because yeah. you pay that. To yeah. That's the amount okay. we get from Airbnb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so cleaning's not an issue. Do you find it's easy to find somebody to do that stuff down there? Again, maybe uh, not easy, but we have a company that uh, has been pretty good for us. Again, you know, you have hiccups here and there where they miss things and you get a complaint and you have to deal with that. So that's been uh, a little frustrating at times just because it's nothing that, that you can really uh, do about it. It's, it's out of your hands. You're kind of expecting you're paying someone for a service and, and, and they're going to kind of do everything that they're supposed to be doing. But, you know, sometimes people make mistakes, things get missed. Yeah. And, and that. Do you take like pictures and have notes of how exactly how things should look? We don't, we've thought about making a checklist when certain, certain things have got missed, whether it's like unloading the dishwasher or, or oh, that'd whatnot. be bad. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's things like that, but, yeah. um, you know, they've been pretty adamant anytime that there's been something missed, like, oh, you know, it won't happen again. We've, you know, we've uh, got it covered now. And, uh, and, and to be honest, it's been pretty good lately. So, yeah. so, you know, until, you know, until we really feel we need to, then we might implement a different system where they're, where they're actually, you know, there's a full checklist. They have to check off yeah. every item on the list and send it to us before receiving payment. That would be, yeah. I think checklists are the way, man. I, uh, it's on my to-do list, but it's, it's one of those things where you've got all the urgent things that need to be done today. And that's like, I can get by without it, but if I don't ever do it, it's just going to keep making my life more difficult. For sure. So it's one of those things that, I mean, I, I do a lot of different things. Like I want, I want a checklist and a manual in my student rentals on the wall. Like I, I have my email series that I send to them like at certain times of the year, okay. but I want to take that a step further and have a laminated house, like guidebook, everything they need to know who to call rules of the house, all that stuff. Like it really does make sense. And I know people do that with Airbnb. I, I think that, that if you have renters do that with every house and, and it makes you look professional too. Yeah. And we do have a house yeah. manual and when you, and when someone does book, you do send out, yeah. you know, uh, instructions about, you know, house rules. And Absolutely, whatnot. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so our Airbnb is a good platform and, and how they've applied it, um, to both the person listing the property and, and the people who will be staying there. I think the, again, it's expectations. What are the expectations of you as a homeowner? What's the expectations of the people coming? And if they align, then, then it works out. And I guess it's the same way with any sort of rental property, whether it's student rentals or whatnot, it's just aligning everyone's expectations and making sure that uh, it works. It's just with student or sorry, with, with Airbnb, you're kind of vulnerable if they do leave you a bad review. Well, 
Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, but again, most of the people on Airbnb, the platform, they, they're using it constantly. They're going from here to there and, and, uh, staying in cities, you know, across whether it's Canada, the U S. So, um, I I've only found a few times. And again, this is maybe the learning, learning curve of Airbnb. But, um, initially when we were renting it out, we had a few groups that we weren't happy with on our end. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, someone who's just signed up for the site and, and they don't have any reviews or they don't have any history. Um, our initial, thought was, well, we want to just kind of get some bookings and get some reviews for ourselves, not thinking that, okay, well, you know, if they're, uh, maybe not a good fit on our end. And, uh, you know, we had that happen, uh, once where it was student reading week. We had a group of students come down from U of T and they weren't bad. It wasn't a crazy party or anything like that, but they left the place pretty messy. Um, obviously didn't read the, the house, house rules and instructions. And, uh, we had to pay double the cleaning fee. We Airbnb, uh, messaged Airbnb, they reimbursed us and, and kicked those people off the website. But yeah, so, you so know, they've got a good platform because they want to protect their landlords, exactly. right? Yeah. They want yeah. everyone to be happy. And if it's someone yeah. who's going to abuse, uh, abuse it on the stay side, then, then they'll, they'll get rid of them. So, so what do you, what do you see is happening for you next then? So you've kind of dabbled into this. Um, you've got two student rentals and you've got this. Do you have any other properties? Yes. Uh, um, all my other properties are in Hamilton. So in total, well, and then the the house I live in in, in Burlington. But uh, in total, I have 12 properties. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, you're crushing it. Nice. Yeah, it's been yeah, yeah steady. So, you know, when I first started out, all in 2011, um, I got the three student rentals all within within a few months and, and rented those out. Then the following year, 2012, I bought another student rental. Um, and then the following year, that's when I started getting into Hamilton and, and investing in uh, mainly duplexes, but I have a few single families, yeah. one of them not by choice. It was actually an issue with the zoning. And again, yeah. at the time, you know, uh, you're relying on and, uh, who's representing you as a real estate agent uh, to to be you know doing their due diligence and, and looking into everything for you? And uh, we bought a property that was uh, listed as a duplex on MLS. It was um, set up and you know firescape everything. It looked it looked legit. The agent said they looked it up that uh, it was a legal duplex. And then, sure enough, a few years later, the neighbor had a dispute with one of our tenants called the city, um, said that the fire escape wasn't uh, legal. And the fire inspector came out, said, yeah, it, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the fire escape, but uh, wait, this isn't a legal duplex. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we fell into a few issues in terms of the zoning, not being able to meet the criteria for a legal duplex. And and now are just, uh, fortunately, we bought it at a price point where, it works as a single family yeah. uh, pretty comfortably, but at the same time, not something you want to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely not. So are you typically the guy that goes in and does the reno or no, are you, I, you just want to buy the, the ready to go turnkey? Sorry. I, I mean, I thought you meant in terms of going and doing, no, the, reno, I mean, doing oh, the work sorry. myself, but yes, no, I, I, typically I look for, for houses that need work. That need work. Okay. So you're doing sort of the Burr model. You're going in, buying them, renoing them. Are you converting duplexes in Hamilton? Have you done that? I have done that. Um, I've also bought some that were duplexes that needed work. Um, but, uh, yeah. And the one property I bought was, uh, 
it's probably one of my favorite properties. It required a big renovation at the time. This was uh, four years ago, and it needed about ninety thousand uh, put into it. But it's uh, a two-story um, residential unit on on the upper two levels, and then a uh, main floor commercial. So okay. yeah, right right in the heart of uh, downtown near James Street North. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so you've got a lot of different different locations and kind of ideal spots in Hamilton then? Yeah, a lot in the north end of Hamilton because I feel there's there's a lot of room for growth there. Um, and then it's a, it's a cleaner part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I've also invested on the east side. Of the One of the more recent purchases was in, in Dundas. Um, but yeah, a little bit all over. The, wherever, wherever I can see uh, that there's the need for value add, then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll see that as an opportunity. Sorry to correct myself. So I guess the North end depends on where, if, if you're over on the, uh, the, like closer to the Barton center, uh, right. that's, yeah. that's an area to add some value. Yeah. Right? No, I, I mean, North end Harbor front. Yeah. But, that's, yes. yeah, that's a great area. Yeah. So obviously there's, there's so much potential to add value in Hamilton because there's just so many properties that need, you know, need it. So if that rental licensing ever comes in, man, there's going to be a lot of units that, uh, that, uh, get taken out of the rental pool. Oh, for um, sure. It, that would that would be pretty dramatic so yeah, i, feel I like, don't see it happening yeah. especially with the way rents have gone and, and the need for affordable housing yeah. in hamilton i how don't could think they do that, it? yeah yeah they're going to be delicate about how they do that for sure yeah. um so how have you primarily done this has has it been like you go in and, and you do the burr project where you, you do the rent out and you go back to the bank and you're able to get enough out or are you doing this with jv partners that are that are putting in the cash and you're just kind of managing the whole process and the asset again every every um property has been a little bit different whether um it's a burr or we're planning to pull money out or um or whatnot but uh yeah i I think it just depends on the opportunity so to give an example that property in dundas um it it didn't need a lot of work but the layout was funky so and it's right in the heart of downtown dundas as well so really good location um but people walking through it weren't able to visualize kind of maybe how how it could look, and uh, we were able to buy it, do uh, some structural work to it, and it, it makes a lot more sense now. It's it's a semi detached, yeah. but it's got a thirty five foot wide lot by one hundred and twenty six feet deep. Okay, um, that's so, a good size lot. Yeah, and and you know maybe there's the potential to buy the other half at, at some point in the future, and and at that point it'd be a, over fifty five feet. Uh, oh, so it's so a semi semi detached. It's a semi detached, yeah. Um, but with the price we got it at, we uh, put in about twenty seven thousand dollars, and uh, figure it's it's worth about one hundred thirty thousand more than we paid for it. So you're up a hundred grand in equity then. Yes. And you have you already refinanced that one? With the plan is not to refinance it. We okay. actually plan to either sell it uh, relatively soon or potentially talk to the neighbor about buying the other oh, half okay. and then and then keeping them both because even as a single family rental um it would cash flow right now based on the numbers about 500 a month okay and out of the 12 properties how many are joint ventured then are the 12 properties uh nine nine okay so that's been something and when you're typical joint venture are you bringing money in or is it is it expertise that you're bringing a little bit of both so again it depends on the partner who i'm partnering with someone who's maybe has some experience investing in the past it might be more of like a 50 50 where we're both 
putting money down in that. But if it's a newer investor, then uh, you know sometimes they're putting all of the money in. Sometimes I'm chipping in a portion of it. It just it depends on who it is and and the opportunity. So if I really want to get in on something, then I'll. And what's your goal? Like, what do you what do you want to get out of all this? Um, I, I mean, the goal is is to get to a point where I feel comfortable for my daughter that she's not going to have to worry in the future about anything really, whether it's, you know, she wants to go to school, she wants to, uh, buy a house, um, really taking care of her. And, and, but I also enjoy, enjoy buying properties, converting them, doing whatever it is. Some of them, um, you know, whether it's an Airbnb conversion or a commercial project, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's fun. So yeah. uh, there's not really a limit or some, something that I have in mind. Like I want to get to a certain number of properties no. by a certain age. No, no real goal setting there, but it's just as opportunities come up, if it makes sense and I can do it, then I'll yeah. continue to do it. So if you see a project that you can get behind, you, you like the idea, then it's just something you'll do because it's fun. Yes. Yeah. I felt like that was probably the most productive I've ever been as an investor when I was just doing projects because they were fun. Yeah. Some of those student rental conversions, you know, rejigging the layouts, adding bathrooms, making it really nice. Um, you know, thinking of what something could be compared to what it is, is actually a really fun creative process. And I like problem solving as long as there's not a gun to my head and I got 8,000 things to do. Um, if, you know, today's task is figure out how to do this and I can feel good about it because it makes me money too. Um, you know, that's a nice, that's a nice place to be in. Yeah. hundred percent. So, yeah. So again, if, if your question is, where do I see myself? It's just continuing to do this. I, ideally I, I could add a property a year if, if yeah. possible, but I mean, there's no real mindset. How old's your daughter? Two years old or just over two years old. Now. Just over yeah. two. I yeah. didn't know you had a daughter. So yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we were just at gymnastics this morning. So that's the other thing about being in real estate and being involved, I can be somewhat flexible. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it, it limits me in terms of what I can do. I haven't had, uh, it's funny. I, I, I'm going to the Detroit Lions game in, in the States tomorrow and uh, went last on Monday night to uh, grab my passport, just put it in my bag just so I made sure that I didn't forget it. And it's been expired for two years. Uh, I haven't been away since my honeymoon in 2015. So it's been uh, four years since I've even done anything. But again, that's being involved in real estate. Sometimes it's, it's hard to get away. Um, but. Yeah. It's where the systems come in, right? You gotta, you gotta have things that are going to allow you to get away. You know, if, if your tenants uh, don't need you to be there. Right. So well, and it's not so much the yeah. tenants, sorry. It's, it's the projects. It's a, well, the projects and the uh, being a real estate and agent. And being a real estate yeah. agent. But you yeah. haven't, been, how long have you been a real estate agent? For just, uh, close to four years. Okay. Yeah. So while you were working the other job, you were a real estate agent. No, I left that job completely. I actually, uh, I, when I knew, when I, when I set my mind to something, when I know that's what I'm going to do, I actually left that job um, before even starting the exams. So you just said, go, go get it. I'm going to make it work. And, and you had obviously some cash flow from your properties that, that, you know, you could probably draw on if you needed to. And, uh, and you went out and did it. That's awesome, man. Um, So if I, just to kind of, kind of come to a conclusion um, about the Airbnb thing, because I know we jumped off of it, is that something you would continue to, to do? If, if I saw another one that made sense, I, I, I would do it. Yeah. But it's going to be about the property and the, the location. Property and location. Yeah. Exactly. So if you find something that makes sense, you don't mind running another one. Yes. It's yeah. not too much of your time. It, it took a lot to get it up and, and running. Um, and that was that 2018 year, there was, I was kind of co-managing the project. I had somebody who with, with more experience in terms of like actually renovate it renovating homes okay. and, and whatnot who was 
somewhat overseeing it, but I mean, I was probably doing a little bit more. So running back and forth uh, to Niagara on the lake and, and dealing yeah. with that when I could, it was, uh, it was a lot to take on. So I had another property I'd bought um, at the same time. It was a commercial property in Hamilton and uh, I ended up just selling it a year later after not doing anything to it. The original thought was to convert it into uh, multi-res, um, but you know, with the time that it took me on the Airbnb, not wanting to take on another major project like that. And, and the fact that I was able to sell it for, for a big profit without even putting any money into it at all. It was, uh, made sense. Yeah. If you can make a profit without doing anything, yeah. take the profit. Sometimes, sometimes that's the path of, of least resistance and it's the right path. Yeah. So, uh, Hey, that's awesome that, uh, that you were able to make that happen. Um, okay. So Dave, if, if people would like to learn more about you, what, uh, where should we send them? You know, I'm not big on social media. I don't have an Instagram account or anything like that, but, uh, I have a website, uh, just as a real estate agent. So if uh, someone wants to reach out to me, my phone number emails on there. And I guess that's, that's probably the best way Just sure. call, just call me. Okay. So we can put your, uh, your website URL. Um, I'll look, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes so that uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, they can. And, um, any, any parting wisdom as somebody who's done a lot of real estate investing, and if there's one thing that you could tell yourself back when you were getting started, you know, what, what would the wisdom, uh, you would say, get, in, get into it. There's always going to be the naysayers. I mean, even, uh, my parents, not that they weren't supportive, but you know, they, uh, they didn't want me to start buying investment properties and, and thought it was risky, but, um, it's all about surrounding yourself not even with people but just information do your research feel confident in yourself and what what your approach is going to be and then just go out and do it because without getting the experience uh you know getting your feet wet it's uh you, you know it's it's impossible to kind of move forward so yeah absolutely you got to get out there there's there's no i mean obviously like you said the important part research do your due diligence and if you don't feel confident don't act maybe go find somebody who can help you feel confident and partner with them uh, th- that would probably be the better approach than going out and making really expensive mistakes as I've talked about on this podcast many times <laughs> that I did. Right. And then, so, um, you know, I'm, like I said, many, many times we could, we could definitely, uh, do another whole episode here and, and dig into one more specific topic. So we'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch and kind of keep me posted on what you're up to, yeah, Dave. hundred percent. But, uh, anyways, thank you very much for, for coming and we'll, uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for watching today's episode. If you have not already done so, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Apple podcasts. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you click that like and subscribe button as well as the notification bell leave me a comment below and while you're at it why not share this episode with somebody that you think it can help i would really appreciate it and it's going to help this podcast grow and help build the community around it thanks a lot we'll see you on the next episode